Let's turn. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. This is the word of the Lord. Do you know your name? What is your name? This is probably the most important question that you'll have to answer in your life. I'm going to make a couple of stops before I get to uh, Ephesians 1. So turn to 2 Corinthians 10.3. Did you know that there's a battle for your heart and your mind? There is a spiritual warfare going on, and the battle is over your soul. You must understand what your name is as you are in this battle. 2 Corinthians 10.3. We live in the world, yet we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Have you gone through life and been wounded? Have you been hurt? Has you come to a place, maybe you've lost your way, and you can't remember your name? In this battle, you must remember the name you've been given. For in a name often determines your position. In a name, in this name, your weapons of spiritual warfare have been determined. In this name, you have been given a uniform, and a uniform determines which side you are on. You must understand your name so that you know what uniform you are wearing. Whose side are you on in this spiritual battle for your soul? We have been given a love letter, and that love letter will guide us through our lives. It will guide us through this journey. It will guide us through the battles that we incur. It will guide us through the trials and tribulations that may come our way. It will even guide us if we fall by the wayside into sin, it will let us know the path home. Turn to John 1. Genesis 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life is the light of the world, the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Does this ring a bell? Does it help you to recall what your name is? It is so important for you to understand your name. Proverbs tells us that a, that a valuable name is more precious than fine stones, than precious stones. A name, a good name, is to be valued. A good name is to be desired. You have to recall your name because in your name is your identity. In your name, you know whose you are and who is with you by knowing your name. Let us continue to read Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was in prison for about four years when he wrote this letter. He was looking forward, knew about his execution. His execution was planned, and he was beheaded while he was in prison. And one of the last letters that he wrote, Ephesians. It's amazing because it's almost as if he is in prison. He says that he's in shackles and chains. When he is in prison... He is worshiping God, and his worship is so great and awesome. I believe God. It seems that God moved him in his spirit to write down these words of worship so that we all may know these wonderful truths that God has planned for us. While he's in prison, he's being in prison for preaching the gospel. He's been delivered to the hands of the Romans. While he is in prison for preaching the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ, the world around him is worshiping gods, other gods, gods of sex, gods of wine, gods of debauchery. While Paul is preaching the pure word of God, he is put in prison for teaching these things. While the world is going awry and going crazy around him, not understanding that there's only salvation in one name, Jesus Christ alone. That John 14, 6 says that there's no other name given under heaven by one must be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus says, For I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man enters heaven but by me. He is in prison for preaching this gospel. He is addressing the Ephesians, but this letter was also meant to be read by the churches around him, around Ephesus. He addresses them as saints, God's holy people. A saint, someone who is holy, is someone who has been set apart. See, as a saint, as God's saint, as God's holy people, you are set apart 
from the entanglements and destruction of sin. You are set apart from the warfare of the satanic attacks in this life. You are not wearing the uniform of Satan. You are wearing the uniform of Jesus Christ. In this, you've been separated from the world and the desires of the world that bring destruction. You need to know your name so you know your identity. In the state that you may be in today, you may feel like, oh, I'm not one of the faithful. Sean, if you knew where I've been, if you've known what I've been through, you would look at me and say, I am not one of the faithful. Oh, but wait a minute. What does this epistle say? Who is it addressed to? It is addressed to God's faithful. If you believe in Christ, this letter is addressed to you. God does not lie. He cannot go against his word. If he has called you his faithful one, if you are his saint, then you are a faithful one. You are a saint in Christ. The ones that we see as faithful The things that demark them are perseverance through life's battles, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. The perseverance of the saints are called the faithful. You may not feel like you're the faithful. You may feel like the sheep that wandered away, a disobedient sheep that has gone astray and gone his own way. In that illustration, you see that sheep that go their own way, especially when they've come to their full coat, when all of their wool has been filled in, when they wander off and they stumble down the paths, stumble down the roads, often they wind up on their backs. Vulnerable for predators. Unable to get up, unable to feed themselves, unable to nourish themselves, to get water. They have the possibility of dying in that state. If you've wandered away from the faith, you need to know that there is a shepherd who knows your name and will go after you and find you and rescue you, even though you feel like you're unfaithful, even though you feel like you've sinned and there's no way to turn back. The shepherd, the faithful one says, I will keep you. You will be my saint. You will be holy. You will be set apart. I call you my faithful. Philippians says this, be confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to its completion. Even though you fall, even though you stumble, even though you get off the track, and wander in the wrong directions. He has promised to be to complete the work that he has started in you. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. You must know what else is written in this love letter. For he has given us his grace and peace. Grace. We often hear it as unmerited favor. I like to say, for no reason. For no reason, he is showing you his favor. 
No reason. You haven't done anything. You haven't accomplished anything. You haven't become the most important person in the room that he would say, oh, I'll show you my favor. No, no. He's doing it for his glorious grace. He is showing you grace. He is showing you peace. Oh, this peace that he shows you. Wow, it's amazing. This peace that he is showing you. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. This is the peace that he's given you. He has reconciled you to himself through Christ. In other words, the God of creation, the one who put the stars in the galaxies and spun the galaxies in creation into its existence, he has said also that I am a mighty warrior and I have weapons of warfare against those who are my enemies, those who hate the name of God. But when he looks at you, he says, I have taken off my weapons of warfare. No longer will I use my weapons of warfare against you because you are his saint. You are a chosen one. Never again to face his weapons of war. There is more. There's praise to be given to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I'll tell you what. As life's challenges come towards me, I often think spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms, what good is that doing me here now today? Come on, tell me you've thought the same thought, right? Spiritual blessings in heavenly realms. But let me illustrate this a little bit if I can. Those spiritual blessings that you receive in heavenly realms pours over into your life and through you that you may experience those blessings now, here, today. Those spiritual blessings, we can look at Revelation 3 and it says that our name has been written in the book of life. Okay, what does that do for me today? It lets me know that I can have peace in my circumstances, knowing that my name is permanently written. It is actually etched on Christ's hand. Your name is etched on his hand and written in the book of life, and it cannot be removed. An etching is not a tattoo. An etching is not a scratch. An etching is a deep groove. That will not be removed. I can have the full assurance that as the saint of God, I have eternal life. I have it promised in this age. I have it promised in the ages to come. It says here, praise be to God and Father. You know, circumstances do not change when we begin to praise God. Circumstances don't change, but our outlook on those circumstances changes. Our outlook changes. We become strengthened knowing that this God loves us, that this God has put us in Christ. Did you see this? Every spiritual blessing in Christ, you have been put in Christ. 
my circumstances actually have changed because I am in Christ. The circumstances that are before me today, I can face with a different attitude, with a different mindset, with encouragement that this circumstance will not overcome me because my true circumstance is that I am in Christ. You are in Christ. God the Father loves the Son. If God the Father loves the Son and you are in the Son, you receive the same blessings and the same love that the Son receives because you are in Him. As we begin to praise God for these truths, as we begin to seek Him, we become healed over the circumstances of this life. The wounds that we receive, the discouragements, all of these things begin to change as we worship him and praise him. We are strengthened. We are renewed. We are healed. Romans 12.1 tells us, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That renewing starts when you start praising God for all that he has done in your life. That renewing starts as you read this love letter and understand your position in Christ. All of this starts to change as we begin to praise him and our minds are being transformed so that we understand the circumstance before us is not the determination of who we are, what we are, or where we're going. The circumstance before us is the actual reality that we are in Christ. We come to that understanding as we understand the Scriptures. These spiritual blessings, we are reconciled to Christ. We are given a peace like no other. Turn to Philippians 4, 7. We are given blessings of eternal life, abundant life, full of mercy and grace. That abundant life is not just a life that we will experience in heaven, but it is an abundant life that began at the day of your salvation. Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ. This is one of the blessings that you are blessed with in the heavenly realms because you are in Christ, that you receive today, that your mind will be guarded by this peace that transcends all understanding. We now not only have peace with God. He has set aside his weapons of warfare against us. We have that peace, but we also have the peace of God that transcends all understanding and guards our hearts and our minds. Keep reading this love letter. Keep reading it. If you're captivated by sin, if you're a captive of sin, it will break the shackles of sin. If you're under a satanic oppression, it will move the oppression. If you're lost, it will show you the way home. Stay in this word. Keep reading it. It goes on to tell us in Ephesians, For the God, for God the Father, 
chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I am not blameless. There's been sin in my life that I regret. Sin has plagued me at seasons, and I have fallen into its grips. I am not blameless, but God says, here, read it. He has chosen you in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless, to be set aside, to be without one blemish. How is this possible? Psalms 102 says, In the beginning God laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of his hands. Before he began laying the foundations, before he put one pillar in place, he chose you by name, and he intimately knows you. In times past, before time began, he chose you in Christ, and his plan is being worked out to present you holy and blameless in his sight. It's amazing. Some of us here think that they have done some great works to achieve God's blessings. Some of us here believe that we've done great works to achieve our salvation. I have to tell you here today, now, that you have done nothing to achieve salvation through Jesus Christ. It is all the work of God. It is if, it is as if you were dead in the bottom of the sea and you were left there. If you are dead at the bottom of the sea, are you moving? Are you breathing? Are you seeking anything good for you if you are dead at the bottom of the sea? But here, because of the love of God for you, because he chose you before the foundations of the earth, before the foundations of time, he reached down to the depths of that ocean and grabbed you out, brought you up and resuscitated you so that you can say, you and you alone are God. If he did that much, he has a plan to present you blameless without one blemish in your life. You may continue to say, but if God knows everything, let me show you that God knows everything. Hebrews 4.12. If he knows everything, if he knows all the sin in my life, if he knows what I'm truly thinking, if he knows where I've been, how could he do these things? Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give an account. We will give an account. But before I read that, I read Ephesians that he will present us blameless. Blameless. 
if he knows everything and has seen everything, how can he do that? Because he planned it before you even got on the earth, before you made your first mistake, before you ventured off away from him, before you ran in your own direction, he devised a plan to bring you blameless in his sight. He knows what has happened in your life, but he determined to make the corrections needed. He gave his son, Jesus Christ. If we turn, when he resuscitates us and brings us out of the depths of the ocean and resuscitates us and we proclaim that he is God and we turn from sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9, isn't it that your life's verse is one of mine? <laughs> he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It is possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, through his cleansing blood, through the forgiveness of the Father, by putting our sins on him and having him pay the full price on the cross for our sins, that he can say, I will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He continues to say in Ephesians 1.5, Man, is this not love that he predestined us to adoption? as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. He predestined you. How else could it be if he chose you in times past? If you are chosen, then he laid out the path for your destiny. In other words, even Hebrews 1.14, I love it, Look at it. He's giving ministering angels to protect us to the day of salvation. He has made every plan that in your life you will be destined to his adoption. Is there anyone in here who's been adopted or have adopted children? The process is work. There takes planning, there takes effort. Sometimes the planning and the effort seem to be too much to handle. Our boys, we adopted them. We had to do foster care first. And our ideals, my wife and I, our ideals is we're going to bring these children into our home. We're going to love them so much. It's going to make all the difference in the world. It's as easy as that, right? Oh, when those boys came in the house and I started changing diapers, for a three-year-old, all of a sudden I was rushing to find where my love had fled to. Where was all this love that I knew I had in my heart for this child who was abandoned? This child whose parents split up, who lived on the streets, had an alcoholic, drug addict mother and father, who were drug around, living on the streets, nowhere to go, hardly any clothes, unkept just my boy couldn't even he couldn't say but two words at three and a half years of age it took everything we could muster just to take care of him while we determined that we were going to eventually have the emotions and feelings of loving these children it was hard work it was hard 
to come by. But God saw these challenges before he chose you, before he predestined you, before he planned to adopt you. He saw all of the challenges that would come his way, and he determined to love you. He determined to go through with the legal process of adopting you. It's a legal process. There's been a few that have gone out and grabbed children and called them their own. It's illegal. (laughs) To adopt them is a legal process. And God says, it's amazing he uses that word adoption because it's a legal term. It is something that has to go before the courts. When we adopted the boys, when we stood in courts, we had to pledge before the judge that we would uphold the law, that we would fulfill our obligations, that we would care for these children and love them like our own flesh and blood children. We stood there before the judge and we gave an oath to say that these children we are adopting today will be equal heirs with our flesh and blood children. We will care for them. We will provide for them in every way, shape, and form that we will for our own children. God is using this word adoption because he says, as I love my son, as I care for my son, as I provide for everything for my son, I will do this Also for you, I will uphold my obligations, I will uphold the law, and I will come through with my promises. I started off asking you, what is your name? I brought my boys in, and I sat them down, and I talked to them about my name. And I said, my father was mean to me. Out of all the children, I felt like he hated me. He was a fallen down drunk. He gave me no good name. Even when I got married, I asked my wife, I kind of disguised the question because I was hoping she would take the bait. I asked her if we could change our name. If we could combine our names to give me a new name is what my plan was. I wanted a different name than Geesey. I didn't want Geesey anymore. I was ashamed of that name, and I wanted a different name. But I told my boys that this Bible has guided me and given me instruction. It has shown me the love of the Savior, and this Savior who has adopted me has given me a new name. Even the name I have, Geesey, he's cleaned it up. I've told my boys, I am giving you the best name that I can give you, Anthony, Shania, Brian. This is the best I can give you because God has cleaned up this name and made it a name of value. And I give it to you, sons. Let me tell you, I I believe I know your name. You have been given a family name. You have been given a name that is above every other name. You have been given the name Christian. That is your family name. That is your heritage. Oh, it's amazing the verses that Pastor Phil um, selected to 
when he started this church, I, it's amazing. If you take one second to soak it in, I know this is sidetracking, but it's uh, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you shall refute every tongue that accuses you. For this is the heritage of the saints of the Lord. Your name is Christian. This is your heritage. This is what's been given to you. Every blessing, every spiritual blessing given to Christ in the heavenly realms is being offered to you. Your family name, your crest is Christian. You may be here today saying, my name is not Christian. It's not my name. I have grieving Sad news if your name is not Christian today. Jesus said, when you appear before the judgment seat of God, he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you, because your name is not Christian. But he went on to describe this place as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Revelation 20, 15 says that all of those who are not written in the book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire. Let me plead with you today. Let me cry out to you today. If I could persuade you in any way, shape, or form for you to cry out to God for salvation. If you would acknowledge that Jesus Christ died on a cross because he took the punishment for every sin that you have in your life. He is taking that punishment on the cross. His blood was shed for the remissions of sin, but he wasn't left there. He rose again from the dead. When he rose from the dead, he said, I took the keys of of Hades. I took the keys of death to no longer have power over those who I love. I'm pleading with you, put your faith in Jesus Christ today. But let me go on to encourage you just a little bit more before we close. If your name is Christian, then you are the son of the most high God. You need to walk around with your head held high. You need to walk the face of this earth. When you walk on your job, and I've been on jobs, in 30 minutes being in construction, in 30 minutes they knew I was a Christian. I wasn't cussing. I wasn't putting down women. I wasn't bringing pornography into the workplace. They knew I was a Christian within 30 minutes, and they started harassing me. What we need to do when we walk on that job is hold our head high because we are the son of the living God. You are a prince. The name you bear on your crest is Christian, and you wear the uniform of Christ. Daughters, sisters, you are a daughter of the Most High King. As a daughter of the Most High King, you are a princess. Who messes with a princess and survives? Tell me that much. Who messes with a princess, a king's daughter, and lives? None. Christ said those who destroy the temple of God will themselves be destroyed. You are a princess. You are a daughter of the most high king. Walk the face of the earth 
as if you are a princess. Make the claim. Wear the name. Walk with the blessings of the Lord. Look at Ephesians. If you are ever discouraged, if you are ever down, if you've ever fallen by the wayside and you need encouragement, turn to the book of Ephesians and grab a hold of the promises that will be fulfilled in Christ. Holy Father, we're amazed by your love. We thank you that we can bask in your light of truth. Thank you that you are a God who is faithful, never changing, always the same, fulfilling every promise that you said. You said every word that goes from your mouth accomplishes all that you desire it to accomplish, and no word returns void and empty. Wow. That's our God. You are our Father, and we are your children. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for this living word that is active in showing us the way to Christ. We ask that you'll be with us, that you'll bless us, that you'll go with us throughout the week. In Jesus' name I pray.